Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds. Welcome back to another of our little side quests, aka And Another Thing, where we talk about materials associated with our rewatches and more contemporary events as they occur. This instalment, we're talking about the latest Disney and Lucasfilm series to grace the Disney Plus streaming platform, The Book of Boba Fett. The seven-episode story of how the infamously renowned bounty hunter in Star Wars lore survived after escaping the belly of the Sarlacc five years after being eaten in Return of the Jedi. But I can't break this down all on my own. I'm pleased to welcome along regular members of the collective and fellow Star Wars enthusiasts, Lee and Ollie. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. So, okay, Sorry, before you carry on, go, I'm really disappointed you didn't go into Patton Oswalt's filibuster. Well, that's because we have a whole seven episodes to talk about. <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to cover it there in the intro. Why? <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> now, easiest thing, I think, is just is just to jump straight into it. But obviously, at time of recording, the finale aired last night. That was a great finale. And we'll, we'll, we'll go through bits of the overall show, what worked and what didn't. But I think uh, let's just break down what happened last night because that was a lot there was so much that has kind of like built up and what we were thrown into i mean gents before we kind of deep dive into this what uh what were, what have been your your thoughts on last night lee let's, let's start with yourself uh well i i thought it was a, a a perfectly good finale it was it was fun it wasn't like i don't know i i not that I'm down on it. But it's going to be. I had very <laughs> high expectations. No, 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 I'm not. I, like, I've, I had very high expectations, and for the most part, they were met. Um, I, I don't know. It was it was good, put it that way. I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't left disappointed. Well, I was slightly disappointed, but that was mainly due to a character death rather than the sort of outcome of the story. Well, okay, yeah, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. Well, we can get into it now because I was going to say that was probably the only thing that was like I regretted seeing. I was just like, oh, that's such a shame. He's like such potential. Very good so character. We don't we don't need to be cryptic about this. Listeners, okay. if you haven't watched this show yet and you're listening to this episode, I can only advise you that from here on in, spoilers. If you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this now and haven't watched Book of Boba Fett, you might need also, or you might also need to write inhale and exhale on the back of your hands. <laughs> so just presume that from here on in, major spoilers about everything from the book of Boba Fett to 
The Mandalorian, both seasons, Clone Wars, the lot. Imagine that we are going to be covering everything about the Star Wars lore from this point. Well, so what we are referring it, to we is We spoil the... everything, though, don't we? That is very true. Well, that's what we do on this thing. You know, we're so... talking about stuff. <laughs> true. Very the true. idea of the, what the guys are alluding to is that the in the finale, we had a big showdown between Boba Fett and possibly the biggest surprise appearance of the entire show, Cad Bane. Famous bounty hunter from the Clone Wars animations brought into live action, and I'll be honest, I was not disappointed. And during that, he gets mauled, I mean, properly speared by Boba Fett's gaffy stick. Now... I get what you're saying, that you think that it's a, a disappointing death, so much potential. What I was going to ask later, because there's 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 questions to take away from this show ending and where things could go. Do you honestly believe that they built this up to just have him be dead at the end of that? Because I really don't think that that's happened. I think we will see him again. I'm starting to doubt it because I've just remembered that there is that beeping noise, isn't there? Mm -hmm. like when he when he goes down, and I was like, "Oh, is that a Predator-style bomb, like kill switch?" But then it's like, no, nothing happens like that. So it's like, what's the significance of that beeping? Unless it is like a pacemaker, heart monitor type thing on him, or a beacon if he's injured. Yeah, yeah, to it be could saved. Be that as well. Yeah, true. I just think for the let's be honest here eight minutes of screen time that they gave him i wonder if that yeah i wonder if it is that and if it's a deliberate sort of nod to how much screen time boba fett gets in the original trilogy type thing maybe it's just interesting like for the brief time that he was in that show from the stare down that he had the duel with cobb vanth at the end of episode six to the face-off that he has with Boba Fett in the finale as well. I think it, it was just, he was a great presence. I loved that they got the original voice actor to, to come back. Corey Burton, voice of Spike and Shockwave in Transformers. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> going to get that in I'm somewhere. I'm going, because this is talk, we don't have to talk about Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't mention it, Damien would, had he been here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm doing that one. That one's for Damien. <laughs> I mean, he, he kind of did what Boba Fett did in the original film series like he just mm. kind of like appears he says very little but has like this truly awesome like outfit you know he like when he just starts this character starts walking up i'm like oh my god who's that who's that like mm. i couldn't think who it was i went through like loads of names in my head and i was like oh it's the hat the long coat and i was like is it gareth no, no. <laughs> <laughs> dakota's cane what um <laughs> and then it was just yeah, you you get the, like the tint of blue on the chin. I was just like, oh my god, that's amazing! And he just keeps mm. his head down and the pipes into the face. Because had you watched the Clone Wars before this, Ollie? Did you have any exposure of who Cad Bane was? I knew this? who he was, but I I hadn't watched Clone Wars, so I knew who he was as a character, like right. visually, and I knew he was a bounty hunter, and I knew he was known for you know his guns and jewel wielding and all of that, but I. They just got him so spot on, and he just sounded mm. perfect. Yeah, he was he was bang on, and he was perfect for that environment as well. Because you know, Star Wars is a very much a gunslinger series, yes, and this one especially so. So to bring him in, but yeah, yeah, he just he 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 suited the role, suited the role, 
suited the the script and the show perfectly yeah he was bang on i think if there was i was initially when he first turned up i was like oh his hat's a bit like not as wide as it could be and then <laughs> i was like then, I, I was but then it was like well actually you got to remember if you having watched the clone wars everything's very stylized in that you look at count dooku yeah. and nobody complains that he looks nothing like christopher lee in that and i'm like okay yeah hang on remember this is stylized animation to live action and actually yeah. he's other than the lack of a toothpick in his mouth he was spot on like the more i saw of him especially in the finale it's just like yeah god this character's perfect they I honest, I really hope he's not dead and we see more of him because he could be such a good antagonist because he's just so like he sort of plays that kind of sinister you know he's dangerous even when he's not doing anything you know exactly like you like you were saying Ollie like Boba Fett did in the original trilogy it's just like he doesn't mm. have to do anything other than be there to Presence. be intimidating yeah, yeah he really does and I just think oh, please don't kill him off too too soon it was definitely the biggest surprise of the show I think mm. that was the one that really hit home. I mean, like my wife and I, you know, we were in London overnight and we were in the hotel and I just thought, dang, the hotel's got really good Wi-Fi. I'm going to watch episode six. And I had my headphones on and I was watching this episode and, you know, like, like Rishi was just trying to watch TV but it was really difficult for her to watch TV because I was gasping and laughing and just staring so much. And then that reveal came and I paused for a second and you kind of see in the distance, obviously I was on an iPad mini as well. So like trying to make that out was a little bit tricky and I just saw the figure and then the hat. I just went, no fucking way. And then like, like completely clapped my hands over my mouth and gasped to the point that without my knowing... Re took a photo and sent it to Lee and just went, this is Gareth watching this week's episode. I saw Gareth's reaction <laughs> face. <laughs> so, Cad Bane aside, because like, we're, we're going to get to him again later. You're listening to the Cad Bane cast. <laughs> There's so much from, from, from that finale you almost saw coming, and there are other bits that I think you, you didn't, and some bits that I... I don't think like like not that they weren't needed, but yeah, it was like it was a lot. I mean, what was it? It must have been about what forty five minute episode, something was, like that. It was an hour, wasn't it? it was an hour. Was it an episode. hour? Yeah, it was an hour long. Hour. Episode. Oh, that's even better because it did not feel like an hour when I was watching it. It flew by. There was so much going on. I did love. I remember when this came up because obviously, like earlier on in the series, uh, Boba Fett gets given that rancor. Yeah, and I think I I think I messaged Lee. I just went. If like if we do not see Boba Fett riding this <laughs> rancor like some sort of like Star Wars influenced heavy metal album from the mid seventies, like <laughs> something is wrong. Like we have been severely cheated well, well, of he something. Makes a, he makes a comment, doesn't he, that he wants to be able to ride it. He wants to ride it. <laughs> yeah, and I think I said, at, I even said at that episode, I was like, I bet they get him to ride it in the finale. Have some- to. Something mm. will happen, and you can't drop a foreshadowing like that without paying yeah. without payoff. But I love the Rancor. Like I've got quite a large like action figure of the Rancor. He's one of my favourite creatures. And when he came onto the screen, like like King Kong scrambling it across, was, it was some weird was, King Kong and, you know, they have, moment. They have the, the homage, homage as well, yeah. where he goes up the, the tower. The tower. Yeah, mm. I I was just like I was in 
awe of it. I was, I was so impressed. I was like, this is brilliant. This is just what I want to see. Like, it was really well done, actually, the CG. I mean, it's Lucasfilm, so in ILM, so it's never going to be bad, per se. No, but it's, it's use of the use of the rancor as well, you know, like as a, mm. as a pet, and then it actually also, you know, once he'd lost that connection with Boba, he kind of went on the rampage because he didn't know what to do, and then mm. all the other civilians kind of turning on him, and then just for like the interaction between Grogu and him at the end, yeah, I was like, that is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. My head exploded. Like so, like <laughs> yes, because of course we like this is yet another not what, a big reveal. What no, not <laughs> a big reveal. We saw it coming a mile away. Yeah. We um we actually found that uh, we saw everyone's favorite little merchandise accessory uh, reappear in the show, and that's the Camtono. No, I'm kidding. It was mm. uh, it was <laughs> it was Grogu comes back in. So this is where like, I've got a lot of good stuff to say about the Book of Boba. I want to focus quickly on these two episodes, especially on the absence of Fett. Like there were two episodes which basically Boba Fett did not feature in at all. And I'm trying to suss out exactly what happened here, because was it just a sense of, OK, we need to give... Dinjarin, the Mandalorian, we need to give him a platform for season three, so we're going to set some things up in here and make the best of it and do crossovers and stuff like that, and it's going to be great. And it was, do not get me wrong. And that that episode, The Return of the Mandalorian, where you saw him find the find the forger. Oh, the, the armor, yeah. The armor, sorry. Yeah. Fighting with the Darksaber, finding Luke again. Ahsoka appearing as well. Like this was just a barrage of there cameos. Were no rumors about any of them appearing no, in this at all. They kept not that so well hidden. Right. So I remember. Do you remember we had a conversation when the N one first appeared? Because I said to you that little bubble dome when he has his new starfighter. Because the mm. Razor Crest is in bits by this point. I said to you. I said Grogu's coming back he's done that in case Grogu ever comes back and he said no you can fit bounties in there I said, it's like a trash can it's not fitting in that and I saw that at the end of the finale and he's in that little bubble yeah, I just yeah. said there is no way a regular human being was going to fit in that you could cram one in there if he really was going to be bounty hunting but I think the, the point if is you're Dexter yes yeah, but he's not <laughs> going to be bounty hunting is he that's kind of the point is that you know him and him and Fett are moving away from that lifestyle like you know Fett wants to be you know, a, a boss, and he wants to he wants I, to rule, but he wants to rule with respect. He doesn't I don't know. Want to be a... I got an impression, but at the end that it, that's changed. Yeah, no, he's walking around with Fennec, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this is nice." You know, oh yeah, you know, everyone's like thankful. But he also says to Fennec, "We're not made for this." Yeah, which gives me that which gives me the impression that if we do get a second volume, if you will, of the Book of Boba Fett, I think it's going to be him going away. I think he's going to be doing the whole like man in black walking against the wind deal and trying to and just like defending the innocent as it were. I think it'll be him, I think it'll be Fennec and I think it'll be Christanton. I think it's setting up the fact because of course in episode 6 we have Cobb Vanth be gunned down by Cad Bane and then of course the mid credits scene that we get in the finale 
indicates that Cobb Vanth is being not only revived in the back to tank, but modded the fuck up as well. Like, the sheriff is getting tooled up. And it just gives me the impression that maybe are they setting Vanth up to be the next Dymo? And uh, just and, be, and yeah. just make Tatooine legitimate completely. That would that would be more fitting, I guess, wouldn't it? That to is have what him I thought. And... That he was going to come back, kind of like as yeah, the Dymo or like um, the mayor of the town, yeah. and the... yeah, as the as the mayor was unceremoniously hung by well, his very long neck I, yeah. in a very Batman esque assassination. I liked that there was no nonsense there; that it was all very quick and snappy, and actually we got to see fennec move as an assassin and be an assassin well we did and we didn't so this this is one problem i have with the series okay is that ming na wen is criminally underused she's mm. more than like she all all she ends up being in this is an expedition dump and then she does one pose at the end of that where she's stabbed the leader of the pike syndicate oh, okay. you don't actually see her do anything whereas she even she's like nearly 60 yeah. she is more than capable of doing action scenes as evidenced by agents of shield that, but she has age. injured herself quite badly on Shield as well. Oh, did she? Like she, yeah, she did her ankle savagely. Okay, so maybe that's why she's not done so much in this. I mean, it's easier to put a stunt woman in something with a helmet on, which she, she is often wearing a helmet during action scenes now. But and I think the way that they did that scene, I think in the context of this, stealthy, oh, it was good. It was a great stealthy, scene. You're never going to catch me. Mm. It's you know, it's it 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 fits. It has that tension and suspense. I think yeah. if it was just like an all out, you know, if there was going to be a bar brawl or something like that, then of course, absolutely, they would be able to use her in that. But I think they also get around. It worked. I get, I get her, what like, they were like, doing. Like, like, yeah, like like if she needs a stunt double, then obviously that's the reason why her helmet is only like her eyes are the only thing that are visible really in mm. that helmet. So they have ways of contriving it without really. Let's face it, like. Props to Mima went for literally everything she has done over the years, from like from like Street Fighter, Shield, now Star Wars, these franchises that she is involved in. She's ER. always gone ER, um, <laughs> but she's always gone all in with it, and yeah, excellent, true, like truly excellent. But everyone has their limits, and you know, it's, it, it, it's oh like yeah, when... I mean, of of all the like, it, it's. That scene is, I, I get maybe why. I mean, it was a well-filmed scene. It's just that she was, for the rest of the series, she was pretty much an exposition machine. She wasn't really utilised that much until that point, which is a real mm. shame, given her chops. I thought she was going to turn on Fett by the end of it. Really? Yeah. I had Because if you notice, throughout the entire season, she's always got more of a head on her for this business than Fett does. Fett is trying to treat it legitimate. She's still trying to ch- treat it like a criminal enterprise. I so she mistrust, though, isn't it? Like she's she's more like Fett is quite. He's only ever been a bounty hunter. That's all he's ever known. And she's a bit more wise to the world than him, especially in terms of being a crime boss. She knows more about that than him because all he's only ever you know hired gun. She's mm. obviously been involved more because she's been an assassin. She knows a bit more about what's going on, so she's more switched on. And it was a nice, you know dichotomy between the two of them to see it works like, like like for sure like they set her up as like this conciliary this counselor to to, mm, uh, to yeah. fet but i just got the impression a little bit sometimes that she wasn't liking what he was doing and that there's an opportunity for her to step in and assume power maybe but then she probably i think she's more honorable than that is the, the impression i get of that character and given that you know 
she owes him a life she owes him a life because he saved her life she you know she was that left for dead by mando yeah. and that other bounty hunter that nobody's nobody can remember his name from mando season one junior yeah whatever whatever his name was but yeah the fact that fett came and saved her took her to the mods got her brought her back to life essentially she probably wouldn't you know why would she it's probably not in her code and he didn't ask anything of her no at at all yeah she said i'll come along for the ride and then she's like oh actually yeah i might as well stay yeah if we do see them again I don't think it's going to be on Tatooine for very long. I was kind of hoping at the end it'd be like, we'd, or at least into the next series, we'd see them on a ship, like, I don't know, doing bad things. I think, personally, given the whole... Not to eat Gareth, but... No, I'm just saying, it's like, why would they, like, why would... No, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at, like, why would they be, like, like be, like be doing bad things after they spent so long Crime. trying to do some good I, and I defend a town? He, he knows he did, he did good there, but actually, perhaps in his heart of hearts, he knows, like, he likes the action. He likes being in the thick of it. Yeah. He's not meant to be, like, a commander-in-chief, a ruler, a mayor. He's... Yeah supposed to be out you know helping battling people. yeah helping or maybe even a bit of like a robin hood character hmm. this is this is what i'm thinking i'm thinking like like i don't think we're going to see him do like bad shit to good people i think we're going to see him right a lot of wrongs personally i would rather see him and fennec be permanent supporting characters for the mandalorian and not like cameos that show up for one or two episodes like actual yeah. like members of his group his collective because you know given that cara dune is you know essentially written out and rangers of the new republic's now no longer happening because of uh i forget her name now the actress who played cara dune oh that crazy bitch yeah. gina carano gina carano yeah so given that she's written out there's there's perfect room to have have them there and you know they don't overshadow each other i think that the three of them as a trio would work as a main cast of a show like you know yeah okay it it was originally the mandalorian but it's yeah it's it's din and grogu now so like you know why not have boba fett and fennec shand be part of his you know they they can be a team of mercenaries or whatever you know if if you if the writing's good enough which it can be you know look at all the stuff filoni's done previous and favreau they can Mm. easily do a cast of what four characters one of which has no dialogue because it's a puppet it's a puppet i was gonna say um, yeah, yeah i was you know <laughs> so they could easily do that you know rebels and clone wars worked and there was no main main character on either of those two shows they were an ensemble mm. cast so end of the first no reason season why... of mandalorian worked really well you know where they get trapped in the in the bar yeah and and you've got there's what, including the droid? <laughs> what is it four? about Filoni and Favreau and ending seasons on some burnt-out building with an ambush? Budget. <laughs> yeah, budget. <laughs> We've got to get rid of all this shit now. Blow it up. It's like, well, we probably don't have the budget to do a big sweeping epic battle scene in a big palace. It's like, oh, just hold them up in a... But that's TV, right? It's, it's fine. I don't begrudge it. You know, you know that they're on a lower budget than a movie would be, so there are certain limitations. And I... Yeah, sometimes it can take you out of it, but I think, you know, you're already suspending your disbelief in terms of, you know, it's a galaxy far, far away with the Force and laser guns and laser swords. I think you can let them go, you know, yeah, we're in a, we're in a bar fight or we're at the end of a street or whatever. But that's to keep it to kind of that, that cowboy Western mentality, isn't it? Mm. 
you know, to take it back to Jabba's palace and just be holed up there, it wouldn't have the same effect, would it? You know, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have the rancor rampaging around the city. He'd just be like contained to one space. You wouldn't Mm. be able to have like snipers up on roofs and you wouldn't get, you know, the, the long distance shots between the characters to make it look like um, a shootout. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right there. It would be boring at the palace because everything's dark in the palace as well. Oh, that as well, just from a cinematic point of view, like cinematography mm. point of view, it would look really dull. I think the attack, the assassination attempt of Boba Fett worked well in the palace because, you know, that's supposed to be like there's lots of chaos going on. And also, as a as a side-related note, Christanton... I need to talk about it a second because it's I did. Cassantin, sorry. Cassantin, sorry. Yeah. I thought there was an R at the end, at, at the beginning. No, it's Cassantin. Cr- it's it's weird. It's, it's Wookie, isn't it? But it's, it's Black Cassantin is is his name, I believe. But I honestly didn't think I was going to see this character in a live action setting. Like for those that don't know, like like this Wookie is from the comics. I can't think of many of the comic characters that have appeared in live action. Cobb Vanth is a well, book character. He's a bit, yeah, he's, he, he's legacy book character, isn't no, he? No, he's new, new canon. Oh, he's new. Is, okay. Uh, Aftermath by Chuck Wendig was where he first appeared, and that's where they started sowing the seeds of Fett escaping the Sarlacc and him having Fett's armor. Mm. But yeah, sorry, carry on. No, it's just, I guess, such a presence. I like how everything's kind of melding together now because before it's like they weren't trying to muddy the water with everything and i think now they're starting to realize that they have so much of an expanded universe over the last you know five six years that they realize now oh wait we can do x y and z and we can build something really special and not that i want a sequel bash but you you know right so you saying about uh, Chris Anton, you know, being included. I didn't know he was a comic character. I had no idea. I was just like, this Wookiee is badass. It's the yeah, first yeah. badass Wookiee I've ever seen. And like, I didn't need to know that he was in the comics. You know, there's no, yeah, there are little nods and references to mm. it. If if you know the comic, which I've since read about and stuff or watched videos on. But, you know, to any other observer, he's just a really fucking scary looking Wookiee. You compare that to the sequel trilogy where there are there are certain plot threads that don't make any sense unless you happen to know that there was something sewn in a comic or in a book prior to that. Or or if they do do it, they make a really obvious reference to it. Oh, hey, weren't you that guy from blah de blah de blah? And it's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, in a comic, you'll see a little asterisk down in the bottom corner. It's like, see, see issues yeah. 51 to 45 or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of shit that really irks me. So thankfully, Filoni and Favreau know how to do it properly and do fan service right. And yeah, having Chris Anton in there, like it didn't detract at all that he's a comic character. It, it makes him cooler that he is. Like, I want to read the Doctor Afro comics now to find out a bit more about him. Yeah. Oh, he's in earlier than that. Actually, he's actually just oh, really? in the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the Star Wars run. Oh, cool. As well, and then once Doctor Afra gets her own series, he makes more of an appearance in that. But mm. he started off in the in the in the Star Wars run. Oh, that's cool. But you're right. It's interesting how they don't they don't bash you over the head with any exposition. A little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Of this is from this guy. You're just presented 
with these characters that you just accept and go on this journey with. Like, everyone who knows who Cad Bane is freaked out when that happened. Hmm. People that don't know him would just go, that's a really imposing-looking dude, and watch this gunfight play out and enjoy it at the same time. Hmm. And it's all done so well. And I think to see how they can move on with that, because... I think they do it right, like, you know, like, you only have, like, one or two kind of, like, major cameos. Obviously, we didn't get that in the Book of Boba Fett. We had one or two major cameos, and then we had a shit ton of surprise return characters, which, I'm going to be honest, I think kind of diluted what they were trying to do with this show. And it was almost as though I was trying to um, get to earlier, whether they were just using this as kind of, like, a platform where they think oh yeah we need to give some sort of direction as to where mandalorian would go or did they lose their bottle halfway through trying to plan out what they were trying to do with the show with boba fett and just go oh wait dang we can only do so much we don't have a lot of wiggle room with anything else let's bring in the fuck ton of characters that we brought in before and mix things around with it that way and then we can say oh yeah he's got this going on now but look at what the mandalorian is going to do next and it i couldn't gauge if it was just if it was a well-structured move or if they just lost their bottle halfway through don't think they lost their bottle i i thought it was when the mandalorian episode came up i was like this is an amazing episode this is mm. great bryce dallas howard is, is is astounding as a director but then i was concerned that they were just then gonna it, it did feel like that it was, as you say, like a platform for the Mandalorian Series 3. What I was hoping they would do is that they would kind of do like a bit of a, an odd timeline kind of thing where he says, so where the Mandalorian says that he's going to see Grogu before he does anything else. But mm-hmm. then we just all of a sudden see him return. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping that that would then kind of be Series 3 three or ah, you would see of... events of that in series yeah three. and it would kind of yeah. interlock the same way that the first few four episodes of the book of boba did where we had flashbacks and then present day flashbacks and then present day i i loved that mm. that was brilliant that was so cleverly scripted really and pieced was, together yeah. that i thought that this is what they were then going to do so interlocking then so now that the Mandalorian and Boba are back up to date and come together, we're going to have another like crossover yeah. where it's going to be the Mandalorians like inter- intermingling with Boba Fett. Like, that's not the easiest way of like describing or explaining that, but I was just hoping there was going to be some timey-wimey, Jeremy mm, Berry kind I, of stuff I, going on. I get what you're saying. I, <laughs> I think personally, like as much as I loved episodes four and five, no, five and six. No, four and five? I'm confused as to which number. No, five there. and six. Five, five and, six. and six, and then there yeah. was a the finale. Yeah. So it's kind of telling when the two most loved episodes of a show about Boba Fett don't have any Boba Fett in it and that's re- that pains me to say because I love Boba Fett he was always my favorite character way before the prequels even you know it was I fucking, this guy who'd had eight minutes of screen time was my favorite character and like it's just kind of I think they could have 
spread it out more. They, it's fine to have the Mandalorian appear, but I think to, to monopolise two whole episodes felt wrong. I think they should have interspersed his story more Agreed. throughout the show. Because it, 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 like you say, it sort of felt like, well, this could have just been Mandalorian season 2.5. This was, this was for the Book of Boba Fett what Captain America 3 civil war was for the avengers it's not about that one character it's about something that you weren't expecting everyone else yeah and i think they if it had been like that from the start if we'd seen you know boba having flashbacks and then you see a bit of din somewhere else and they maybe they almost shouldn't have called it the book of boba fett because it wasn't the first four episodes what would they have called it though I think they should have just how Tatooine got its groove back. <laughs> they should have just they should have just had it as had it be the Mandalorian season three, I think, and just Lucasfilm presents more spice. Like it was great. I'm, like I said, I was ecstatic that Boba Fett was getting his own series, and he did for the first four episodes, and then Din came back and overshadowed it because yeah. it was a really you know it was. I think my wife put it best. You know, we've had two series to like you know really be invested in din boba fett unless you really know his backstory you're not as invested because he's just some guy from the films well this is what i wanted to ask you like do you think that that is because that we haven't had as much time in investment in this not even like for people that know the history of boba fett this is a new boba fett this is a this is a boba fett who has grown who has seen a different perspective who is looking at things in a different light now and we had four episodes to kind of get a glimpse mm. of that and then we we moved along at a pace with the with the end game of the story basically well, well we went we we had four episodes with boba and like yeah oh great you know you can see he's developing his character yeah but anyway forget all that because let's go back to din and grogu yeah that which that we've had two seasons of yeah already well that's that's what it was it was you know you had some you had four very slow not in a bad way, slow, like methodical episodes, which were so beautifully scripted and planned out that then all of a sudden you're thrown, I know it's the same world, but you're thrown into another world and another Mm. pace back with the Mandalorian. And like, it's almost like you get an adrenaline kick because you're like, oh my, oh my God, here it is. He's back. And even though it's, even though it's Star Wars and it's the same story in Galaxy, it, it has a very different feel about it. You, yep. Boba is a man of like, he's recovering, he's rebuilding his life, he's becoming a different person, He's and it's slow and progressive. Whereas The Mandalorian, it is very much more of a Western. There is action pretty much in every scene of that episode. So as you say, you're thrown straight back to series one and two of the Mandalorian and you're you're just hyped up again and you're excited and you're you're sucked straight back in. It's to the detriment of, of the book of Boba Fett, I think, to do that because it. it's like everyone's like, oh well actually yeah this was better than the Boba Fett stuff. And it's like, well It's not that it I was. hate to say no, it's it's not better, but you're more you're kind of like more excited by it than necessarily the engagement the Boba Fett <clears throat> You would, your engagement was brought back to life. Yeah, to a casual the, viewer, it's great. To And to somebody who loves The Mandalorian, yeah, it's also great. But if you really love Boba Fett and you've waited, you know, 
however long it is for Boba Fett to get his own series to then have that sort of have a series named after him and then cameo in two episodes or not even appear in one episode of your own series. Well, he didn't yeah. in five, did he? No, six. No, he's like at the end, and you only see him for like a minute. You it's, see him nod. Yeah, it's literally. It. <laughs> yeah, it's that was like that irked me because I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have done it this way. It it should not have. It basically didn't didn't overshadow the book of Boba Fett by appearing in two whole episodes and having them dedicated, rather than having the story sprinkled throughout. That would have been better, I think, because it would have mainly stayed on Boba Fett, and you get a little bit of din in the background kind of thing you know leading up to him coming back or they should have shifted this store din's area of the story he should have just shown up for the gunfight at the end but shift all of the stuff with luke and ahsoka and all that and move that to season three of the mandalorian i think that's partly it i think like it was it was a cameo too many in in, in the shot i think like seeing seeing luke and ahsoka was really great mm-hmm. and obviously a nice little glimpse to the I mean, I like seeing R2. Yeah. Just R2 was, like, brilliant. Hmm. We get a nice little glimpse into the Jedi Temple that will be a smoking pile of rubble before The In Force 25 Awakens. 25 years, yeah. <laughs> 25 years, yeah. It was going to like, Luke, little thing. <laughs> Keep maybe, in mind. Maybe don't do this. <laughs> yeah. But as cool as it was to see them in it, I think it was just... I think they pushed the envelope just a little bit too far. I think it's... Like you said, like having mo- like having these sporadic kind of like moments, bring it, bring Dinjarin in, and and do little bits and pieces here and there. But to have an entire episode dedicated to that character, like you don't need to waste Boba Fett's story on filling in the gaps of what the Mandalorian has been doing in this period of time that the show hasn't been on, because that is what the next season of the Mandalorian is for. Hmm. But we didn't get that, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't want to make it sound as though I'm like, like, like I'm, 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 I'm slagging it off, and I didn't enjoy it. I loved this season. This was brilliant. Hmm. It had everything that I was like. I, I essentially went in with very little expectation. I had a bit of a hint that clearly it was going to be something around the organized crime of Tatooine, and Boba Fett was going to be striking out on his own, and he wanted to start this business and 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 run the town. I was thinking it was going to be a little bit more political, if that makes sense. I think we didn't see enough more of talky-talky st- rather than didn't see. Yeah, yeah we did. I, yeah, I don't think we got enough of the trying to trying to manage this whole situation of like the families and things like that. Obviously, the, uh, the syndicate. Sorry. Yes. And I think we missed out on seeing some of that, and whether that's because that we'd probably see more of that if we were given an a or nine episode show because it seems like like for the for the seven episodes we got it went along at a lick i think we would have had more of it had there not been the mandalorian episodes there would have been more political negotiations there would have been more fet trying to get the syndicates on side yeah because the only time that you actually see them together really is when they're all sat around the table and he's telling them stay neutral while I deal with this crap. He the the yeah, I think that's one of my biggest bugbears is that they not that they did him a disservice but they sort of make him and I guess that is partly the point he's meant to be a little bit naive to it. But then it's sort of almost naive to the point of idiocy where he's like oh yeah, 
at no point does he go yeah they're going to betray me i know they will like it's, it's fennec that has to remind him of that it's almost like he's just too trusting of them and because we don't get you know they have to they, they cram it into like one scene whereas you know if you had multiple times where he's going and visiting them and trying to intimidate him you know the game of thrones political kind of intrigue type yeah. thing would have i would have found that fascinating and would have made because Tamara Morrison's got the chops for it, right? He can he could act that. You know, he he's brilliant at doing the kind of two that sides. Man of is menacing as fuck. He has made that character a hundred times better than it was in just the original trilogy. You know, he's yeah, he's he's come into that role and made it his own and and for the better. But yeah, like to have him going and seeing all the you know, seeing these political parties like he does at the I think it's the first episode, isn't it, where he sees the mayor and stuff. Yeah, but he almost just goes, "Oh, okay, I'll take your word for it," and walks off. Pretty much, it's like they didn't give him enough kind of enough to do with those. And if they'd had a few more scenes like that, where he's going and intimidating people and, and talking to them, and getting to know them more, and yeah, extend the runtime a bit, and drop the Mandalorian episodes if you have to, you know, to fit that in. I think that would have helped. I think made him seem a bit less silly. He, he sort of comes across as a little bit almost. Yeah, I think naive is the right word here. He just kind of. To, to the point of being sort of silly about it. It's like, come on, you're better than this. You're you're cleverer than that. Which is weird for the years that he has been on, like, that he's been alive and has been one of the most ruthless and renowned bounty mm. hunters ever. But he's all of a sudden become very trusting of the criminal syndicates that he's clearly been exposed to in previous years. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of... That, that did annoy me slightly, I guess, for want of a better word. I think those episodes would have been better utilised having had him like screwed over earlier on. Yeah. Like by yeah. individuals or by See the betrayals earlier. Definitely. Yeah. And him then having to go and sort it out, get the other syndicates on side, utilising like the assets that he has already. Hmm. Or like recruiting a bigger army and then the army he recruited turning on him because the only people you know he does recruit are the mod squad essentially yeah mm. and i wanted to bring this up because like, obviously we can talk about things that didn't work things that did work i know one thing that didn't work for you lee was this mod squad right. so let me let me flesh this out i like yeah. that i love the concept of droid modification that's always been a thing in the eu it was always a thing you know we know about it from our rpg you know is it luke's got a bionic <laughs> leg luke's character everything yeah it, it's that kind of it's not it's not unheard of in star wars the the space vesper things they look cool, and had this show been set on a more civilized planet in the inner rim, like Coruscant, like um, Corellia, you know, mid or inner rim, those would not look terribly out of place. You know, a nice, bright, shiny, candy red scooter with, you know, hover scooter, whatever, speeder bike style would look fine. On Tatooine, where water is said to be at a premium, and there are people out there charging premiums for water. Why have they got pristine-looking scooters? I know that's their style, and that's what they want, and that's fine on any other planet. On Tatooine, where everything's fucking broken and dirty, and they have to have moisture farms to get enough water to do anything, and water is probably more precious than gold on a planet like that, how have they got the fucking money, when they all say, oh, we're out of work, to keep those things clean and shiny clean, not even dusty, and, like, you know, sand 
coarse rough gets everywhere but apparently not on space on space vespers that's what bugged me more if if we'd been on another planet absolutely fine it would not have been out of place you know it would have been perfect it because everything else in star wars is influenced from other things but i think just having them on tatooine was what made it jarring and it was only really their vehicles them themselves were fine like i didn't have an issue with with them i thought the i forget the character's name but the, the guy with the bionic eye i thought he was really cool I love that kind of stuff. I love cybernetic. Oh yeah, I uh, forget the actor. Skag. He plays as I. Yeah, he, uh, he plays plays Isaiah in Peaky Blinders. I oh, forget okay. his name now. But yeah, like I had no problem with them as a concept. I had a problem with them being on Tatooine. Like I think they should have had. I would have preferred to have them have been a rival biker gang to the Nikto ones. Were they Nikto? No. Race. Yeah, they're Nictos. Yeah, they yeah. were Nictos, yeah. I'd rather they were a rival biker gang to the point where they had, you know, modified, you know, big, big fucking Harley Davidson well, swoop Then bikes. it would have made a really good storyline. She would have had mods versus rockers, essentially. Yeah. Which would have been a really interesting kind but of... But not, like, is, not on Tatooine. Not on Tatooine. No, no I, that's no. fine. And I, I don't I mind the reference to mod culture, but give them a different name. Don't, don't just call them mods oh they're, they're you know they are mods from the 60s in star you wars. felt it was a bit on the nose yeah way too on the nose like call them something else or don't don't give them the don't give them the vespers give them something else yeah. and just yeah they're mods because they're modified that's fine that's still a nod but it's not a that's not an abrams nod you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, okay. that's what i'm gonna call that that was my issue if it bit like i say another planet any other planet with a city and stuff in it absolutely fine I got no Even issues. Even that, um, I, I don't, I can't remember the name of the city the, where we first meet the Mandalorian again. He's on that that city, oh, that Halo the, Ring type, the thing. Halo Ring city. That mm. kind of like glossy, mm, like that stainless, worked, yeah. stainless steel environment. I completely yeah. get it. Yeah, neon cyberpunk esque. Yeah, that would have that would have worked perfectly. better. Um, but as as a as a gang and as like as a like a subculture in star wars i did really enjoy it i did really mm. like seeing them because it is actually i i can't really think of another little group like that within star wars anyway you know where you have like a group of like teenagers you have another little group of subculture or yeah, where you, you, don't, you don't or where it, you yeah. kind of get to see something that's kind of like the equivalent to our galaxy of like you know the the 50s and 60s a lifestyle choice a movement rather than a yeah, yeah, a gang or something. Because yeah, like yeah. over all yeah. the decades of Star Wars, everything's kind of the same. Like the, the, there doesn't seem to be much like technological progression. There's no like fashion progression. But mm. that's what I liked in this that there was a, a little a little gang, a little subgroup, kind of trying to better themselves and be different. You know, be teenagers, which is essentially what the mods were. You know, trying to yeah. look into the future, having like the tech and like the smart clothing the the neat hair and that was really nice to see i kind of enjoyed that but like like you yes the 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 pinks and the golds outside of like naboo were really were really like a bit grating mm. that's fair enough i mean i, I mean like, I, I i have to admit it didn't irk me as much as ever, like, I, it, like it was just one of those factors where I just kind of went, oh, okay, all right, well, balance this against everything else. I'm just going to go along for the ride now. Um, I think, if anything, I think 
maybe they could have again it was almost as though like, like they were trying to make a bigger deal with uh, is it Shand or something like that the the the, the girl did she even have any modifications? Yeah, she had a she had a uh, cybernetic arm. Uh, see, I, I wish they'd see we'd seen more extreme ones or see them do something with them. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. He he's got a bionic eye, but what's he using it yep. for? She's got a bionic arm. Does that mean she can punch really hard? So <laughs> yes. let's see that happen. Like that million would've... dollar man style. He has a bionic eye. What can he do? He can look at the top of the roof and see and see the girl run across with the repeater that he could do anyway if he wasn't using his eye. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And it's like it wasn't that of, big a range, but it, it is a shame. I did, but I did like going to like the um, where they where he took Fennec. Yeah, the to, mod shop, as it were. Yeah, yeah. the mod yeah. shop where he was almost like a like a, a tattoo artist. You know, yes. it, was like, it was like a craftsman. That was really like walking in and seeing him working on someone else. Not entirely sure what it was. See, was, there you go. That's a perfect example. He's got like a B two battle droids hand and he takes it off and it's interchangeable yeah that's yeah. what he's using his mods for that's the point of it and like you don't really see that with anyone else but sorry carry on no I, that, that was it i thought that scene was really interesting i really really enjoyed that and yes as you just said we didn't get to see them using their mods to their full potential you know his bionic eye it would have been great had it had like infrared night well, just, vision just make him a crack shot you know he's got a bloody targeting thing on built into his head yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, he's an expert marksman. Fine. It's every, every, and all that has to be. You don't even have to say it. It just has to be. Every time you see him shoot, he it hits looks like a he target. lines up. Yeah. Yeah, and he just takes it. You know, he's like Robocop. He's just gunning people down, and then, you know, that's that's all it needs. Like, I I like the concept. I think the execution was not quite right in this for them. That's fair. That's fair. There's one thing that I want to talk about because obviously, like like we've we've talked about Tamara Morrison playing Boba Fett in this, and again wonderful presence he, he he has really fleshed out this role really enjoyed it and again man pushing his 60s killing it in this show really good um and you really got the impression of like that from from when he was in the mandalorian as well and the cameos there like he was really going to bring uh, a stronger presence to the to the character if there's one thing that's kind of getting me now is that like they 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 kind of pin themselves into a corner a little bit with having the Mandalorian like, you know, five years after Return of the Jedi. So like Empire's just fallen, there's like things are in like massive disarray. When you do the maths, Boba Fett is gonna be about forty at this point, forty, forty one. If you look at it from like how old he was from Attack of the Clones until now. It should only be twenty five to thirty years after Attack of the Clones, yeah. right? So if, yeah. well, if you so he was about yeah. ten when he was in Attack of the Clones. So mm. if yeah, if you like when you do, when you when you work the maths out, it's about you know he'd be about forty to forty two maybe he'd be about our age, wouldn't he? Yeah, roughly, yeah, give or take. Yeah, he's got some space miles on him, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, do you write that off as? Because he was he was an unaltered clone, so he hasn't had the accelerating aging like the clones had. Yeah. So, okay, but then maybe people just are more weathered in the Star Wars universe. Perhaps he's just also, looks old for his age. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you have to punch tank. your way out of a sarlacc. Well, because it. well, yeah, but even prior to that, isn't it? He's oh yeah. no, actually no, you don't see him. You don't see him without his helmet prior to that, do you? So yeah, maybe it's the sarlacc that did it. It's just aged him. You know, he lived. He lived with the Tuscans for several years as well. He was in the sun, just left to bake as well. You know, yeah. and it and it took him so long to kind of heal. You know. I Could have weathered him, yeah. I suppose we're just is it supposed to... to have been years? 
Well, yeah, because so obviously he's in he's in the Sarlacc for it can't be that long because I think there was a, a so inside baseball here allegedly Mandalorian armor can only seal itself and has an air supply of about two hours. When we see him wake up in the Sarlacc, he goes and for some reason there's a stormtrooper in there. I don't know why why that would be a thing. He then steals oh, yeah. the air supply out of that. Yeah, no... I think that's a nod. I think that's one. Like, I think that's a nod to when they were looking for three PO and R two yeah. in New Hope. New Hope. That's the only uh, other time they'd be out there. Yeah, good point. Okay, so yeah, there you go. That's that's a deep deep cut. Really. <laughs> but like, yeah, so he, he obviously he, he pulls out the air filtration thing, which apparently stormtroopers now have because I didn't think they had that either to top up his air supply, and he's not died of asphyxiation, so his air must be low, not completely out. So he can only have been under there for a couple of hours. Maybe, maybe at a push, let's say, I don't know, six hours, because when he gets out, the sail barge isn't on fire anymore, and it's there's no smoke or anything in the air. So yeah, people have obviously cleared out. You know, Max Rebo got to the gig, man, and that kind of stuff. But so, but then, then you know, he's he goes and fairly quickly is you know mobbed by Jawas to lose his armor, and then is picked up by the Tuscans. So it cannot be that long. Mm. After Return of the you know after the events of Return of the Jedi, so you know, presumably while you know Luke and Han are blowing up the second Death Star, Boba Fett is you know is is still a prisoner with that Rodian, so you know and then it leads up to the fact when he finds Fennec is is that that's after the Tuscans have been killed, but I mean obviously we know that then that timeline is five years later, but yeah. it's not that long after they've been killed. You know he's been wandering the desert for you know what. A couple of days to a week maybe after they've all been killed it was a really good flashback element that they brought seeing how he was with the tuscan raiders however long it was really nice like dances with wolves tom cruise and the last samurai kind of deal that that, that immersion that integration certainly nothing that we've ever seen before and that's what's really fun with these shows that they're doing now they're taking these gambles into taking what you've known for the better part of like 45 years and twisting it around a little bit and say let me show you another perspective who'd have thought they could make tuscan raiders cool right because i was never a big fan like they were all right but now i'm just like oh wow these tuscans are actually really cool it's actually quite sad to see them get killed off mm. it was a cool that was a cool heist the, the train, train heist. I, oh. I was gonna say that was probably one of my favorite episodes because it was such like the RPG games we play, yes. like I could just kind of like I've, my work pick, here is done. Yeah, play it all out <laughs> in my head. I could see what was going on. It was just, it was just so clever, mm. and it's so full of action, and it, the way it kind of brought all the characters together, like he used his skills, his knowledge to help that particular tribe, and it was interesting to you know to find out that not all of the tribes are the same you know there are many and mm. most of them have been wiped out and they all have kind of almost like different ceremonies or like sub-religions within them yeah they've got their own like, traditions haven't they yeah. yeah i liked learning all that and that they were different costumes from the you know the other tuscan raiders that we'd seen in um the mandalorian yep oh yeah they were yeah you know they were they were they were darker robes. They were slightly outfitted, slightly differently. 
No, they also had like jewelry. They didn't communicate with a... sign language, did they? They actually communicated in grunts and noises yeah. compared to the ones that didn't Matt, which was yeah. sign language. Speaking of which, of, of speech and, and noises, I liked that we didn't hear any Wookiee growls. Hmm. Exactly. I think you hear one. You hear one snarl. Where okay, like, a snarl. When, when he's in a, yeah yeah when he's in a in a fight, which is but, one that Chewie's used. But yeah, you didn't hear the usual. I, I liked that he was a silent character because he gave him more presence in it, and they didn't have to then give him like because once you give him a voice, you kind of set the kind of tone of the character who he mm. is. You know, if he's like hard or if he's like a soft character this was just like he is silent he is imposing and perhaps you wouldn't want to make him talk or growl genuinely the scariest wookie you see in the entire star wars pantheon right he just like oh my god you saw that you're like jesus those eyes like is the guy they got to play him was perfect and the way he moved as well he, he mm. moved a little bit differently from like slow Chewbacca. and deliberate he, right he wasn't like as like lolloping as like mm. as like Chewie, like where his arms... Chewie bumbles along, really, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does, yeah. his arms are too long, and they just kind of like bounce around. Whereas this one was like the opposite; he was very structured, just a ball hench. of rage. Yeah, just a yeah. ball of rage. You could sit at any moment he was gonna. I mean, you do get to see that when he rips that Trandoshan's arm off, but you can just pretty much the entire time you imagine he's just clenched permanently every muscle in his body. And that's what I love when he gets bombarded outside the mayor's office and you think he's done for. And then all of a sudden you see this character like fly across the screen and you're like, oh, yes, he's, mm-hmm. that, that's got to be. He's back. And it's yeah. just like, oh, phenomenal. Yeah. That, that final fight that essentially lasted half of the finale <laughs> was just ridiculous. It was so good. But there, there was just so much going on a lot of great great elements of like of western and like modern military and classic star wars mm. you know well, there was a lot of that like they like very very heavy godfather elements in it as well where you see like it's a montage ropes. yeah and all the knives and that with the trandoshans on it there's a montage of everything going wrong mm. like the ambush happening and stuff like that so it's like it's really really nicely put together it was a great scene but when you see chrysanthemum lee am i saying that right now as far as i'm aware yes <laughs> i'm scared to say the name in case i get told off i think it's chrysanthemum chris chris yeah Sa- i think santo is what he calls him isn't it they do call him santo in it yeah, at the yeah. end don't they but you have the moment at the sanctuary where garza is telling him you like you were glorious. You were this wonderful warrior, and he said, "Now is not that time." And you said, like again, kind of like Boba Fett and Fennec to an extent. There's almost not as much place for them in this sort of the, setting. The galaxy's moved on. You need to yeah. evolve. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that is is definitely where they've kind of taken these characters now. You know, I'll, I'll throw Dinjarin in there as well, like for the Mandalorian. There's other things that probably they're going to feel as though they should be doing. And they're, and they're going to find ways to kind of like segue them off into that. Well, his series will change, won't it? Because now that he's been kind of like issued a new task... You know, he's got to find that, is it a pool or a waterfall that was on Mandalore or something to like 
so that he can oh, atone res- for his sins yeah yeah be respected again you know because he took yeah. his helmet off it's, i mm. that's kind of what i was expecting i was like right this that that's that's series three this is what he's doing yeah, yeah. he's going it's... on a journey and there's not going to be so much bounty hunter anymore it's going to be him evolving in the same way fetter's done He's a knight on a quest. Yeah, he? he is. I just hope he turns his back on the stupid creed of never taking your helmet off. Because, again, like like in like the previous episode, the more you dig into things like that, the more impractical that gets. And it's just yeah, like, he's going to have to... Like, come on. Just... Well, no. It was a cool concept, but it's like, turn your back on it because it is stupid, Din. Come on. And all the other Mandalore, like, Fett doesn't care. Bo-Katan doesn't care. They're like, oh, he's one of those. Oh, great. It's like, it is a silly silly thing but i thought the thing was not about taking your helmet off it was taking your helmet off in the presence of others well that's what it is because yeah but it's still silly isn't it it's just not the episode where he's um oh where he's protecting the village yes he he takes it off to eat when he's watching grogu play with the children yeah he takes it off then it's just when he's in the presence of other people Yeah, yeah He can't be seen, and you know we find out at the end of season one, he, he can't be seen by another living creature, which is why the IG mm. can like fill his head full of Bacta. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I recently just watched, and I thought was a br- another brilliant episode. Like that's the other thing: have the cameos of actors that mm. they have in, you know, Richard Iowardi, Matt Berry for this they, series. They I just like, need I, yeah, Chris O'Dowd I just O'Dowd wanted now. to shout, Father! At the top <laughs> yeah, of his I voice. Mean, every time. Or Jabber at the top of his voice. Yeah. So it's just like, the voices they have. That droid, 8D8 in this, has got some freaking balls on him. He's a right chopsy little twat, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's great, though. He's a brilliant droid. I'm glad they didn't kill him off. That's another thing oh, about I... this series, is all the extra, like, characters that they've, like, and they've introduced different versions. You know, like I've seen them somewhere before, but now they've got different personalities. They're different characters, like expanding the universe. Hmm. I've really enjoyed seeing the um, all the creatures and the robots come back to life again, which was kind of what was lacking for the final three films for me. Like I, we get to see all these practical effects and creatures, which is what I love. You know, we've spoken before during different podcast that i i really love practical effects i love creature features you can't beat them right and dark fantasy stuff and that's what it always brings back to me it's like yeah gnarly looking creatures that have so that just you don't know anything about them but i believe within an instant that they belong in this universe this galaxy this story and Mm. again credit to filoni and favreau they they did that so well so well yeah you'll you'll never beat a practical effect like you know it could be could be like a ropey looking like you know the puppeteering might not be great on it but if it's a practical thing and it looks it's really there you're gonna get so the much charm more of it though isn't it that it's in some yeah in some ways but you, you'll never you know you'll get a better performance out of the actor if they're not having to act to a tennis ball on a stick yeah you know? well this is one thing that got me a little bit that if i'm gonna nitpick anything it's gonna be this in terms of graphics that they used in this show I didn't like the huts. It felt as though the animation was still going back to like 2002. It felt as though nothing had evolved. They were the weakest, yeah, of all the creatures in this. I think yeah. they were CG. And I don't know if they agree. were trying to remain consistent, 
but looked like to to make it look like it had done before but it just felt a bit of a weak link because if you've got so many practical effects as it is let's have a couple of huts on a on a slab yeah it's gonna to be too expensive to do isn't it practically i guess which is why it's yeah because disney's a little tight on the purse strings these days <laughs> yeah they're but i think it, from a practical <laughs> point of view it might have been really tricky because there's a lot going on there it's not like santo where he doesn't talk his 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 presence is through you know the way he stands and the way his face moves he doesn't whereas the huts everything's moving moving isn't it like his their arms are moving the facial features yeah. the tongues whipping out he's picking up like a rodent to oh yeah completely and, and um, per puppet isn't it for jabber yeah yeah, yeah. And, 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 and granted it's a like it's a big ask of me like that so it's, it's, you know it's all very well me saying well this would be better the practicality of that oh, is absolutely it, absurd it would have but, been vastly better but it was i think just down to Mon- money matter. and time right they yeah. had a year to film this essentially they take most of that to build something it just like that. needed the, t- the just the texturing of those models just needed to be better but there was I, just something about out, it that though. didn't quite land it, it didn't take me out of it though i didn't find it as jarring i think once i'm mm. once i'm in that's it i'm in hook line and sinker and because of like the years of experience with Star Wars now and like having <laughs> ropey jabbers crop up in things. <laughs> you know, I can I can cope with it. Yeah. If if you want a weak point, you want that they want the slowest car chase in history through the streets of Mos Espa. <laughs> You're really on these scooters, aren't you? <laughs> it would have been fine if they'd made them look faster. It just felt like you know like you know like in a lot of sort of films from like the 70s 80s, they would artificially speed up film to make you know things look faster like car chases and that. <laughs> yeah if they'd just done that in this it probably wouldn't would have been better it just we literally i remember kim and i watched it and we were like that was the slowest car chase i've ever seen and it doesn't I mean, to be fair, of... they probably go on sorry no no i was gonna say like i mean to be fair they're probably riding the equivalents of like one two five cc motorbikes in in, in speeder equivalent true true but i mean even then like you know they're they're hover bikes they can probably go a bit faster than that he was in a he was mm. in a land speeder which you know is not a slow thing it just it, it was just a bit it just needed to be a little bit quicker and it would have been okay it was because actually the the stuff that happens in that chase was all fine but it just felt like a bit slow that was my big i think that was my biggest bugbear with the entire series and you know if that's the worst that this series had to offer, then you know, I can't complain too much. No, because I don't. I know we've been a bit down on those two Mandalorian episodes, but they were. But they were only because they were so bloody good that they overshadowed yeah. the rest of the series. And that's right? it. They were yeah. really good. And what I really did like is kind of like Grogu's journey in there. You know that he he really did have the potential to be something great, and he had it all inside him. But because he sees Din as his father, he wants to be with his family, something that he hasn't been with for so many years. Yeah. My heart melted when he when he jumped up to hug Din. I was like, ah! Oh. <laughs> and, to, and to see him kind of like subdued the, the rancor at the end, like you can, you can tell he's got the power in him. You know he can do it. And when he rips mm. apart... Um, that battle droid. He doesn't rip the battle droid apart. He, he lifts... takes a bolt out of the yeah. leg. 
Yeah, but he does lift and it, it up falls and kind over. of. But he lifts it up and prizes it apart, and it's just like you, all does through. Well, no, it doesn't. I thought he the did. Rancor rips no, it apart. We want. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see yeah. him, like you know, the whole Same. screen, everything to shake, and oh, then like you just see this droid getting crushed, like Vader did when he find, you know, when he's when he becomes Vader and he crushes all the machinery. It. I think that's what you wanted. I think that's what they wanted us to expect. Yeah. Because lest we forget, the whole thing about this is that, like, without training, without him being kept in check, the indication is that eventually Grogu is going to go mental and be consumed by the dark side because there's no one to keep him in check with these powers. So when you see, like, when I saw him step out and he was going to go to the droid, I thought, he's going to rip apart this battle droid. But what he did, which I thought indicates more that he's not there, he's not going to be that guy, he's not going to be this danger to everyone, is that he ripped out a bolt of the leg and the droid just fell over. Mm. But what's going to make him turn to the dark side anyway? He has no experience of the dark side he's not under threat from like anyone that's at this the point of the dark side isn't it? you don't have to necessarily know that it's evil it, just, it has evil intentions for the people who dabble in the force and they you know they think they're doing the right thing but you know who can't control it yeah and they you know they oh it's an easy part you know here have all this power you're like, oh yeah all right okay if you don't know any better you know it's so that's what's going to make him an interesting character that he he doesn't yeah. know his powers he doesn't know his capabilities he doesn't really know right from wrong i mean he's going around with the mandalorian who doesn't strictly do things the good way if you will or, or in the way of the jedi so he is going to have like but that's the point is that the jedi's hubris was what caused you know partly what caused their fall i mean obviously palpatine had a big hand in it but yeah he, he let them carry on along that path. It's like, you know, no attachment, none of this. And it's like, this not, it didn't serve them well, clearly. You know, if you go, you look at the older kind of the High Republic and the Old Republic kind of Jedi is not quite the same as they are at the time of the end of the Republic and the start of the Empire. And I think, you know, speaking of that, like Grogu's little flashback that he has with the 501st clones going down those Jedi. Yes. Just, I, I was praying i thought oh you know what if one of these clones comes up takes off his helmet and it's a de-aged tamura morrison in clone armor and he's like this thing's just a kid we can't kill a kid and it's a clone that saves him that would be brilliant and then he sees boba's face and he goes he looks the same you know there's so many layers to that you could do you know you could tell some really interesting stories there i'd love yeah. to see I something think like that I think that's part of the curse of being fans of this sort of franchise, though. You know, we've mm. said this time and time again, like a fan is the worst thing to a franchise because a fan will sometimes come up with a much better story than what is actually financially and practically feasible. Well, well, that's it. Once you start getting something in <laughs> your head... The last fucking get, Jedi. Yeah, you get a storyline <laughs> in your head, you will always be disappointed because it's not what yeah, you wanted so i'm a bit more realistic should... though if it doesn't happen i'd be like that's fine it doesn't need yeah. to yeah we should cause... just be grateful that we've yeah exactly. we're getting three they... incredible series out yeah. of this and we are going to get kenobi in and May. ahsoka and yes. andor andor which has been already greenlit for a second season already because if alan tuddick isn't in season one they, he, he's got to be there right that's well this yeah. is what makes me wonder Although, because maybe he is and it's a misdirect right because you haven't been given news that, like, Book of Boba is going to be coming back, which makes me wonder, yeah, are we going to see them crop up as cameos and season regulars in other shows? 
which I think is probably going to be the better way to go. I think mm. it's been very fun to see them set this up, but either we've seen Boba Fett have the rise, we need to see a fall, or we just need to see him go, do you know what? I've reached this point now. I'm okay. I'm going to go off now. But you need to see that period of transition because I don't think we're just going to... Because I don't think we're going to have a series, like a random series that's being made at the moment and they're going to see Tim Oliphant sitting on Jabba's throne. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. But one thing we're missing here, right? So the armorer says to Din something about the mythosaur and stuff. You know, it, you know the great mythosaurs that once roamed Mandalore, etc. You know, and only a select few have it as their sigil. Who has a mythosaur sigil on their armor? True. For anyone unaware, it's Boba Fett. You know, that, that skull motif on his shoulder pad is a mythosaur. You know, maybe he's the rightful heir to man. Maybe he will become the great Mandalore. Maybe that's where this is going and it's setting it up. Because Din doesn't want it. Din, Din's your Jon Snow. I don't, I don't want it type deal. He doesn't want the power and the leadership and the responsibility. Bo-Katan's too proud to accept it. Although she had it once and lost it. So clearly she's not cut out to rule Mandalore. Even though Sabine she wants- relinquished it. Yeah, yeah, gave it to Bo-Katan, said, here you go. And Bo- Which I loved was a little cat, was a was a reference in this show. Yeah, but I'd love to know how she lost it and um, Moff Gideon got it, by the by. So Din doesn't want it. Paz Vizsla, you know, he's meant to be a bit unlikable and, you know, he's not worthy because Din can still beat him even though he can't wield the Darksaber properly. So maybe that's the thing at the moment. No one can wield the dark side no, properly yet. But really, you know, Fett's not got any interest in that. But he doesn't want to be a bounty hunter. He wants to rule with respect, etc. Yeah, taking the dark saber. You know, pro- if if it's a prophecy that someone who's got a mythosaur on their armor has the uh, that's interesting. That is, yeah. Maybe they're teeing that up, and it you know maybe it hasn't been that obvious. If you haven't picked up on it, I thought it was quite a thing but then a lot of the star wars channels i've watched haven't mentioned it either on youtube so maybe it just wasn't picked up on i can't grogu has a mythosaur lest we forget does he he's got the pendant Uh... (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) grogu (laughs) just two-handing that dark mandalore is a people not a species right yeah Yeah. i'd love to see like some other mandalorians that are not human Actually, that'd be quite cool. You know, you see, imagine a, a you know someone who's taken up the creed and has got like you know they have the T shaped, but maybe they don't have the visor, and you can see underneath it, it's like a Wookiee or or something. You know, or, you know, a, a Twi'lek that has the two yeah, yeah. coming out the back. That that is interesting. That's an interesting point because they when you see them kind of all milling around in the tunnels, and then when they all go to help um, Din escape with Grogu, they are very of the. <laughs> humanoid form mm. lack of a better way yeah. of putting it you know two arms two legs no tails normal helmet it, as you say it would be interesting to see you know like a, a wookie with like just hair seeping out of everywhere mm. <laughs> that would be good actually because yeah it's always been that yeah it's a, like it's always been that humanoid equivalent hasn't it there hasn't been not, I can't remember anything. I'm aware of no. I think it's because in um, Clone Wars and Rebels, the Mandalore is it's all humans there pretty much, and you know they're all family clans. They're not, you know, it's within a family. It's not necessarily mm. a, a creed. Like when you see Death Watch rescuing Din, he's a foundling, yeah, but he he's still human. You don't obviously now Grogu is a foundling. Mandalorian foundling so you know potentially that's where it starts or maybe it already happens 
elsewhere you don't really know Grogu needs to like have his first words soon at some point doesn't he I don't know we I can't don't carry know if, I, we can't carry on like this I kind of like that he doesn't talk I think it's it's not a bumblebee situation where it's annoying it's it's actually like endearing <laughs> it, it makes for a really like nice um, understanding between the two characters you know wh- when he jumps up to hug din there isn't a conversation but din's having a conversation with him yeah you know we don't hear grogu speak but you don't need to converse no you don't need to exactly you know he he is talking to them he knows what he needs to say to him and he know he can just tell from the situation from the expressions that's what i like and the hand gestures the body movement so i and Shout out for like you said, Ollie, one of the one of the cutest moments that this show has actually ever had, when Grogu puts the Rancor to sleep, and of course, for those people that have watched the Mandalorian over the last couple of years, what happens when Grogu uses the Force? Boy gets sleepy, so he curls up and has a nap next to the Rancor, and it was fantastic. It was one of those moments. Where like, I hate myself for how cute I find this moment. <laughs> <laughs> We should also shout out about like Luke's cameo. Well, we say cameo, extended appearance, and yes. just how good that was. Like you know, it wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong, but it was a million times better than the end of Mandalorian season two because they hired a guy on YouTube called Shamook, who did a lot of deep fake kind of things, and he he actually did one where he deep faked Luke Skywalker onto Luke in the Mandalorian season two finale. And it looked a lot better. But he'd done a lot of others as well. He'd done like Harrison Ford as young Han Solo and things like that. He'd done loads and loads of deep fakes like on YouTube. So did they bring him in to do They hired him. He got Book hired. Yeah, he got hired last year and clearly wow. it shows because, you know, look at yeah. look at how good that deep fake was. And also, I didn't realise this until I read about it the other day. Luke's voice was Mark Hamill, but it again, it was a deep fake style voice in that, you know, they found loads and loads of archival footage of him. It's like AI machine learning type thing. They put it through and it processes it. And it, you know, like Siri and all that kind of stuff and like the Google stuff. That is a person's voice, but it's not them saying those lines. It is them. Essentially, they would take an audio recording of them talking like this, chop up all of the vowels, consonants, etc., and they re piece it back together. And that's why his dialogue sounded a little stilted. Because I was like, oh, he's speaking awfully formally. And then I read about it a few days later. It's like, oh, it's because. He's it's actually machine learned, processed voice rather than yeah. somebody speaking I the lines. I guess they did it because they wanted to get the age younger voice. Yeah, right. I suppose. Yeah, he sounds Which, wildly different work, now. Though. Yeah, it does. It works. It's just kind of you miss. I think somebody. One of the things I'd read was like you know that's why he sounds a bit odd when he asks a question, but he doesn't intone it like a question. You know, with the sort of you know there's no inflection tone. at the yeah, end. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it misses. It's a bit flat. Yeah. Yeah. You're missing a lot of the humanity of Luke, I think. Yes. Given 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 the fact that it's only been a few years mm. he's since essentially Jedi. become a robot at this point. Yeah. But you know, it was for what it was, it was bloody good. I mean I was, oh, it was great. I was sat there going, Have they got a sound alike? How have they done this? It's just like, you know, I knew, I knew it was deep fake on his face and it was spot on. Like, you know, there are some instances where you're like, Is that really just a good you know, have they just cast Sebastian Stan? Well, this is it. This is one thing that I wanted to say is that do we ever think realistically that if they ever want to do more live action stuff with Luke, 
like even Mark Hamill has given the seal of approval to this man. Mm. Just putting out a picture of the two of them side by side and he tweeted, son? Yeah. Question mark? I mean, what more proof do you need that the man who people think looks like him Mm. is saying, hey, you look a lot like me? Yeah. Exactly. They and they're really still should. not using it. And it's I not think like they he's... missed such a trick having him in the Mandalorian in season two. He's in that wheelhouse, right? Because he's he's you know he's in the MCU, so it's not like you know they're unaware of him and his chops. I mean, he's he's getting quite well lauded for um, his portrayal of Tommy Lee at the moment, I believe. Yeah, yes, he Tommy. is. Hmm. Very excited to watch that. Actually, that's supposed to be very good. Yeah, I've not seen it yet. But I think it's it's interesting where he was supposed to before Disney bought Lucasfilm, Sebastian Stan was supposed to have a meeting with Lucasfilm. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. He never knew what it was for. What else could it but, be for, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That's, well, yeah, I think even he said that. Mm. Like, oh, it like, wasn't 100% if it was for I wonder why that's not Luke resurfaced, or anything like that. unless they're going to... Su- but then surely they would have surprised us with, uh, us with it in this rather than doing the deepfake stuff. This is what I'm thinking. I think now they've gone... Now they've gone the deep fake route. I think to to do it any other way would seem a bit jarring. Yeah, agreed. Which is a real shame. Which is a shame. But yeah. they could wait. They could wait and give him. They could do a Jedi Academy series, and they just cast him in that because he'll have aged up by then as well to be a little bit older and like you know of the right age to do Jedi Academy stuff. And like you know, admittedly, you wouldn't have Adam Driver, but. You could get like you know him teaching a bunch of students because there've got to be other Jedi in the galaxy. It can't just be Kylo Ren kills them all and Luke's the only one left. I know it's the last Jedi, but well, yeah. I mean, we've got that little boy sweeping the stable in the Last Jedi. He's got to turn up with his with his rebellion <laughs> alliance ring. Ugh. <laughs> Honestly, those fucking films. <laughs> it was such a shame because that had a great deal of potential. I like what he was going for and what he could have been capable of doing if he was given a standalone trilogy the problem was is that it was well essentially two directors by the end of it writing the story and it should have been one person with an overall vision they should have you know they 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 knew favreau was onto a winner when he did iron man so why didn't they get him to do it and you know he's got close ties with dave filoni he's, he's been in the lucasfilm wheelhouse for quite a while yeah. given that he'd voiced pre vizsla during the clone wars which predates any of the new trilogy why didn't they say yeah you know what off you go off your trot favreau Give it a go. Well, they should have just given it to one person full stop for the complete yeah. trilogy. Then you would have had consistency in storyline. Yes. And what I, I will say, and I have said before, is that it did miss Lucas's imagination and storytelling. Thankfully, but, it missed his dialogue. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's what it missed. It missed his the charm that he was able to create in the films. Yeah, yeah. This if this is what I've always said. That I've always said about the prequels: if you take the dialogue out of those and rewrite it, they're actually not bad. The story's all right. The story's fine. It's the fucking dialogue that lets this film down. I'm gonna jump back on track because we're going to yeah. a whole whole like franchise trilogy rant here we've, that's gonna, we've, <laughs> that's we've, gonna we've take <laughs> us into a three part episode. Diverge to another galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Just to just to round things up, top of your heads, I want to say, like, if you're gonna choose one, th- like, if you were gonna choose 
one thing to keep like like one thing that stood out for you as the best and one thing that you would want to change or just remove completely what do you think that would be from this series from 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 book of boba fett yeah well if it's one thing to keep it's cab treak and bane come on absolutely 100 percent. yeah that would be mine so good to get rid of i'd almost say the mandalorian to get rid of or to change i'd change the mandalorian bits to not be as overbearing i would either Mm. sprinkle them more sparingly throughout and it's like okay yeah fine it's mainly about boba fett but they're still snippets of the mandalorian rather than lumping it all into two episodes and saying yeah you know what hey we've given you this story about boba fett but here's two episodes of the mandalorian just to tide you over that jarred a bit yeah i I think for me yeah i think for me like to change it was like like i said this like the the organized crime element of it i think was just really underused you didn't get that much of a feel for it and so you you kind of got the impression of like boba fett's trying to do this and oh yeah and we've got this crazy drug problem going on in the city as well that no one's really dealing with never see anyone on spice you notice that no no well you can't yeah yeah but that's weird you could see somebody you you only have to see someone being picked up off like in a heap on the side of the street and say oh yeah he's off his tits on spice or whatever that would have been enough <laughs> how's it consumed how is spice consumed you know is it it's inhaled is, is it, it inhaled no is it idea like, like, presumably i mean it's okay granted, dust right it probably they wouldn't it. have wanted to like glorify it on screen so i get why they didn't do it but it's just a true just a, you need, a, cur- yeah. a curious thing to know like i think it's meant spice, to be like cocaine isn't it essentially they it's like, kind of like sniff it or whatever yeah yeah I think the insinuation, but no, I, I, I think you're right. I think the insinuation and exposition of it's killing people in our streets. Mm. Kind then of show that, like, you know, just have a few, oh, yeah, he, he died of a spice overdose or whatever. Or, you know, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of junkies, like, causing trouble because they want to get another spice hit. And, yeah. you know, they're trying to That's steal it. or whatever. That's all it it's needed. It's not the menace they make it out to be. And yeah. actually, the smugglers aren't, you know... They're not as menacing as they are made out to be. It's it's what it could be, I suppose, mm. and it's There's what they don't want it to become. Bit too too much left to the imagination there. Like we we get it, but you yeah. know, to others there might be a bit of a. Is it really that bad? Is there much problem with this spice trade? Like oh yeah, you know these pikes, these fishmen have turned up, but what are they really do? What what do we actually see them doing wrong throughout the series? If you really think about it. Than... that's about it though right yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a speeder train heading through the desert is it really causing that much issues it's not like it's tearing up the desert dunes and disturbing the wildlife and the ecosystem it's literally a hover platform gliding over the desert so where's the where's the beef unless they're like you know plowing through tuscan camps to do it which they aren't they're sort of you know a few miles away or i think it's implied that like whoever gets in the way gets gunned down and that's what that's what happens on you know two instances isn't it Mm. you know you hear this like hover train coming and then all of a sudden but then starts. that's Boba Fett's issue with it, but nobody else in the town should really have an issue with it because there's always that they don't like the Tuscans and the Tuscans don't like them because they're interlopers on their world. Yeah. And so it's a bit... I think they needed to show a bit more of what was wrong with Spice. I mean, obviously oh, the, the implication is it's drugs and it's bad, but 
yeah. like you don't see that necessarily in the series. I think that's what I would have liked to see is the underworld mm. side of it all. Yes. You know, the more yeah. the more syndicates, the the families, the um other other bounty hunters is what I would have liked to have seen as well. Because it was nice seeing Cad Bane and I watched the um was it under the helmet, the little documentary oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it, and they showed the bounty hunters again and I'm like, oh, they're the characters I love. The ones that I don't know anything about but look so cool. Mm. Like I would have liked to have seen more of those. <laughs> like perhaps being brought in as well. Or or other bounty hunters working for other syndicates. I guess they don't want to blow their load too soon, is it? I'm I'm sure we'll see more of them show up in later series. You know, Bosk is still kicking around as far as I'm aware. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Zuckers and Forlom yeah. are you know, we'd never seen any more of them other than being on the bridge of the executor. Was executor executor? I think executor. I think we had this conversation during the Empire episode. It's weird because surely, surely it's executor. I thought right? that, but Just... as the executor, it is the flagship. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Of the Empire. Okay, but yeah, you don't ever see them beyond that, other than some extended universe stuff. I don't know if they've appeared in the comics much, but uh yes, most of them have, but that's because that, but that's because mm, the first run that Marvel did was set right after A New Hope. Hmm. And then after 40-odd, 50 issues or something like that, then they moved into The Empire Strikes Back. So they're gradually making their way through the franchise. So yeah, they they all popped up eventually. But lest we forget, we're also going to have another Mandalorian cropping up soon in the form of Sabine Wren. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to be turning up in uh, Ahsoka, I believe. Very excited for that, yes. I'm surprised that, like, I honestly thought we were going to see her make an appearance in this. I was Genu- yeah, genuinely, yeah. I I'm thought maybe I thought we were going to see the introduction. Oh yeah, no, I'm glad that we didn't either because it would have been uh, like that would have been a hat on a hat. I think we had way too many cameos in this, in a cool way. Loved it, but I think just one more, I just would have been a bit exhausted by by the end of it. I think she wouldn't have had room to breathe, and like she's all right. Admitted, if you don't know Rebels she's not that big a player but if you know rebels it's like yeah okay and you know where the storyline goes at the end of rebels it's like oh damn yeah that's going to be really good and especially how much it ties into din's journey and i want to see more bo katan to be honest i want to see because she just disappeared like why didn't she immediately fight din for the for the dark saber at that point you know surely she would have been a bit like you've got the dark saber he's like yeah here take it she's like no i can't She's like, why didn't she just go? Why didn't she just draw, pull a weapon on him? At that point, you know, that's surely if she's that desperate for it, that's what she would have done. Bigger fish to fry, I suppose. At that point, well, what though? Because that is the biggest. Yeah, that's the biggest fish for her is to because they were on the the ship. Ship. They had Moth Gideon. Mm. You know, Grogu. Well, had just been taken by Luke Skywalker. He just literally killed everything on the ship. All the dark troopers he killed. Yeah, yeah. I guess. But I guess from a you know from a creative standpoint, that's really going to put a dampener on the emotional moment that you've just had. Maybe, but they, it could have been an epilogue. You know, she could have tracked him, followed him back to wherever he went next, and then tried to ambush him and say, "Look, I want that dark saber." I mean, there probably is something that's going to come eventually. I mean, Katie, like Katie Sackhoff, has actually just had a kid re- in, in in recent months. Oh, really? Yeah. Um. But she may be back. She said, like she always has been, inc- you know, been very vocal on how grateful she was to actually be the live action 
Bo-Katan after voicing her in, in in Clone Wars as well. And that's what I think has been really cool over the last few years, that you've got people that are playing these characters live now that they've been playing, f- that they played for years in an animated capacity. And it's something that you never really thought that you would see. And I think that's been a really fun thing. That would be the most jarring thing is to see, I'd love to see Tamura Morrison play Captain Rex. You know, because he's the right, he's the perfect age where he just needs to grow a beard, right? And he's, yeah. he's, he is Rex. But to not have Dee Bradley Baker voicing him would be jarring, even though they're meant to be clones of Tamura Morrison. It's like, it would be weird. Yeah. But, you know, I, I really do want to see it. So hopefully we do. That's that's what I was hoping for in that Grogu hallway scene, you know, that little flashback that he has. You know, just it only takes one of them to just take their helmet off as they approach the cot. Or like he was going to murder them all was was my other thinking. It's like you know, is is that why he was sort of he, he got himself out of the temple? He wasn't taken from the temple at all. He basically just saw his saw his like mentors get gunned down and shot while they're on the floor, and he just like you know goes full on dark side and chokes them all out because he's capable of doing <laughs> it because he does it to Cara Dune when she's arm wrestling with Din. Yeah, he starts to choke her out. So it's like it's not like he can't do it. So good. Well, I think probably that's. A really nice point to to wrap things up on that. Now uh, I think we've covered that. I, I mean, obviously, this isn't our you know this isn't our regular rewatch. It's not a case of like ah, would would we recommend this or not? I think absolutely, <laughs> like we would recommend this. Which clearly you would as well, listeners. Otherwise, you wouldn't have sat through us doing a deep dive, spoiler filled episode about this show and so many other shows that it's linked to as well. But I want to give a big thank you to Lee and Ollie for taking the time out to join me today in ranting and raving about this gem of a show. Thank you, gents. Absolute pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you, the listeners out there, for stopping by. Don't forget, we have got our new rewatch episode coming soon where we'll be discussing the 1988 fantasy movie Willow. So excited. (laughs) Until next time. End of line.